0: Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. Uh, President Biden announcing uh, the ordering of more doses of vaccines, uh, saying, you know, he's got uh, ambitious goals, vaccinating 300 Americans. Yes, 300. He repeated from 400 million order to 600 million. This enough vaccine to fully vaccinate 300 Americans by end of the summer, the beginning of the fall. But we want to make look. That's I want to repeat. It'll be enough to fully vaccinate 300 Americans, 300 Americans. you got it, Mr. President. Boy, that seems like a lot. I I, I know there's a two dose vaccines, you know, Pfizer and Moderna, a thousand dose vaccines. I do tell uh, on a more serious note, you, know, you have to move away from President Biden to get more serious. Bloomberg reporting uh, President Joe Biden and his top advisors have derided the Trump administration's playbook for distributing coronavirus vaccines, but so far have made only modest changes to the plan that's meeting their target pace of more than 1 million shots a day. For more on the vaccine distribution and how it is proceeding, we're pleased to be joined again by Sally Pipes. She is President, CEO, uh, and Thomas W. Smith Fellow in Healthcare Policy at the Pacific Research Institute. Her latest book is "False Promise," uh, excuse me, "False Premise." False promise: the disastrous reality of Medicare for All. Sally Pipes, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks, Dan, for having me on. Yes.
0: So uh, we're going from 400 million to 600 million, which um, and and Biden has problem scaling numbers there, but um, <laughs> with respect to, with, yes, I think we could do more than 300 people with those numbers, but with respect to uh, the vaccine distribution, as you have all these governors uh, saying, you know, we need more, we need more, we need more, how is it actually going both on the distribution and the implementation side?
1: Well, so um, there have been, as as I think most people know, the Pfizer, uh, that vaccine, Pfizer-BioNTech, um, was approved for emergency use authorization on December 11th. The Moderna, uh, which I've had the first dose of the Moderna, was approved on December 18th. Um, as of right now, uh, we have um, 31 million Americans have, have received... Uh, at least one dose. Some of them have received two. That's about 9.8% of our population. And about 44 million doses have been distributed. We're awaiting, uh the Johnson & Johnson one jab uh, vaccine is, is doing very well in final trials and that will be up for emergency use authorization soon. AstraZeneca this month they say will be um, considered for um, emergency use. And then there's a new company, Novavax uh, that has a very good vaccine too. So there uh, there, are, there are many um, doses that are have been distributed. The real problem has been with the government, Dan, in both at the federal level and the state level, getting these vaccines um, out to the people. And it's unfortunate that, you know, everyone had to buy the vaccines through the government instead of, you know, they really, what they should have done was allow people that had experience in distribution, whether it's CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, uh, Amazon, whatever, the private sector, the private sector produced the first of these, Um, vaccines within uh, nine months, record speed. But the the holdup has been in the administering and getting the vaccines by by the various um, agencies and bodies.
0: Well, and some of the states, I mean, the states have done it differently, just generally speaking. And so some of the states have actually leaned on their private health care and and pharmacy infrastructure uh, and employed the CVSs and the Walgreens of the world to help with distribution. And others have tried to centralize it, make it more uh, command control at the state level or, or the regional level in places like New York. And so you have very, it seems to me, based on the data I've seen, uh, very different uh, experiences if you live in, uh, well, West Virginia or South Dakota or Florida versus New York.
1: Well, exactly. West Virginia um, took over um, the head of their health uh, COVID uh, department took over um the the, the vaccines and 18 percent of people in west virginia have been vaccinated they they went with private pharmacies and not the government and so it's been very very effective and as we've seen in florida um you know there have been really no uh lockdown people even people from canada where i'm from have been flying on private jets to florida um, to get the vaccine because there's no limit on on your age or whether you're in a nursing home or whatever desantis just wants people to to get vaccinated and so uh, where but if you live in california where i live or in new york i mean this has just been a big bureaucratic uh nightmare with governor newsom in california making it extremely difficult and of course cuomo in new york who has now said that you know he's not responsible for these deaths in nursing homes so but um we, we really you know, need the private sector to get this this going. The vaccines are there and they were developed by the private sector.
0: Uh, when we come back with uh, Sally Pipes, I want to talk uh, about uh, more COVID-related issues, including the uh, amazing disappearance of flu cases uh, this winter so far, as well as the um, nagging impacts of nagging lockdowns. Uh, uh, lockdowns, that is. More with Sally Pipes, President CEO and Thomas W. Smith, Fellow in Healthcare Policy at the Pacific Research Institute. Our latest book, False Premise, False Promise, The Disastrous Reality of Medicare for All. We'll be right back. The 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 more you listen, the more you'll know, This, 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 this is the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the show. We're speaking with Sally Pipes. She is the President, CEO, and Thomas W. Smith Fellow in Healthcare Policy at the Pacific Research Institute. Her latest book, False Premise, False Promise The Disastrous Reality of Medicare for All. And uh, Sally, uh, this uh, story out, um, uh, some of the blogs uh, over the weekend. Only 23 Americans tested positive for flu last week compared to 14,657 cases reported last year at the same time. This according to the CDC. Um, What do you think is going on there with the relative uh, uh, scarcity of flu cases uh, as compared to normal times at this time during the year?
1: Well, I think that one of the things is that, you know, so much of the focus has been on COVID. I mean, here in in, in the U.S., uh, we have 26 million COVID cases. We've had 441,000 people uh, die to date. So I think COVID has overtaken the flu and of course people have had access to the the flu vaccine from, you know, early, early last fall. So I think a lot of people were vaccinated, but maybe it is that some of the people are not getting the flu because they have COVID. So I think that's probably part of, part of it as, as well.
0: Is, Is it also a case perhaps where you don't identify something that you're not testing for?
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, and, and so, so how does that inform our understanding of the, Ubiquity and severity of COVID. If we're just ignoring uh, other ailments that are, you know, part of the human condition, as it were.
1: Well, I think one of the very frightening things, and has being written up a lot, and I've written about it myself, and it's certainly the case in the UK that people have been afraid to go to the the doctor if they think they have, you know. A lump in their breast, or they have a, a nagging cough they can't get rid of. So the di- the people are not going to the doctor and getting um, checked out for, in particular for cancer uh, issues. So we've had a tremendous delay in the um, you know um, identification of of cancers, and I think this in the long run is going to be a disaster because if you have uh, a, ca- a cancer developing and you d- you ignore getting tested for it and getting treated right away, I mean your the the impact on your long-term survival, your five-year survival rate is is very poor. So, I mean, a lot of uh, doctors have been saying, you know, go to the doctor when you have symptoms, whether it's cancer, you think you have cancer, whether it's heart, you have stroke. I think this is a very frightening thing that the the media has scared people so much that they are afraid to go and get get, um, checked out for regular uh, illnesses. And I know in the UK, they're predicting that because of people delaying um, getting checked out for Particularly for cancer, they see about five hundred thousand deaths early because people didn't get the te- didn't get diagnosed right away. So I think cancer, heart, stroke—these are things that are very serious and need to be taken care of. And yet, people are being di- did not going to the doctor because I think the media and various uh, public officials have scared people, and so they they're afraid to, you know, get checked
0: out. All right, and and uh, John Ionides, the Stanford epidemiologist, um, uh, recently. Surveyed about three dozen um, studies in terms of the case fatality rate, the inf- or excuse me, the infant infection fatality rate, infection fatality rate for people under the age of seventy. The median number that he calculated was point zero five percent, which is not dissimilar to the flu. And we is is we think about this data coming in that we're trying to assess in real time. I, I mean, can could the the question is raised, obviously, could you imagine this sort of response to the flu, to uh, a, if we would have known this going in, how would you justify the policies, the response that we chose um, for the last year? How, how do you react to that?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, we, we know that I mean, the stats are out there that about 85 percent of the of the COVID cases have been people age 65 and over. The bulk of the uh, the deaths have been people that have been, you know, older people living in nursing homes, and of course, uh, in New York, Cuomo sent people with COVID to the nursing home, so it spread more rapidly. So, I mean, among younger people, people below even the age of, below the age of sixty-five, and among the young invincibles, as I call them, I mean, they have really been ignoring social distancing and and the lockdowns and things and going on with their lives. And I think we've seen, certainly in Florida, where DeSantis. Has you know allowed the world, to, Florida, to, to carry on, and the percentage per capita of COVID cases is, is um, the same as California. And in California, we've been locked down, you know, for months. They finally just on Friday opened up the restaurants for people to be able to do outdoor dining again. So young people, I mean, if they do get it, they probably don't know they have it, or they have no symptoms. They may pass it on, but but for the most part, the bulk of the COVID a real problem and the deaths and the very severe cases, people being on ventilators, is among the the population 65 and over, and particularly those with, you know, several um, other conditions that many people over 65 would have.
0: Biden, in uh, perhaps an excited utterance, perhaps a slip of the tongue, said, you know, there's really nothing we can do to control the trajectory of the virus. Well, he's not acting like it, Uh, the CDC announcing the other day that uh, they'll require masks on all forms of public transportation, uh, that some of which had been previously left to the decisions of local officials when it came to local public transit systems. Um, but so now, in addition to airplanes, obviously, it's uh, buses and ferries and trains and subways and seaports. Um, and what impact will that have?
1: Well, I think it'll have a tremendous impact on in fact, we need to get the economy back on track. We need, People need to get back to work. I mean, as I mentioned, it's not just, you know, I mentioned about cancer uh, diagnoses, but there's also mental issues, too. There's been a lot of suicides in this country because people have been alone, they've been locked down. So the more you say, you know, you know the, the, the mask wearing for the subway, for the trains, the planes, it's going to discourage people um, from using uh, public transportation transportation and they've also come out recently and said people should wear you know two masks well why not 10 masks right Right. it's you know i find it very hard to breathe even sometimes with one with one mask if it's if it's uh, like the n95 mask so i mean there's all these government officials i think are just continuing to scare people but you know the vaccine vaccines are out there the private sector produced them and people need to be able to Access them and stop. You know Cuomo saying you know you'll be fined a million dollars if you jump the queue. Hospitals a hundred thousand if you don't administer within a week of receipt. I mean all these things. Government is making it difficult. And I say if, if people want single payer Medicare for all, which you mentioned in my book, um, look at the way the government has handled COVID. It's just a microcosm of what a disaster would be if Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez get their way. And, and are able to move this country to a complete government takeover of our health care system, as is the case in Canada.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid we're going to achieve herd immunity much sooner than we achieve herd sanity again in this country. But that's just my view. Sally Pipes, President, CEO, and Thomas W. Smith, fellow in health care policy at the Pacific Research Institute. Her latest book, she was referencing False Premise, False Promise, the disastrous Reality of Medicare for All. Sally, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you, Dan. Take care. Take care.
0: Offshow.com